Sometimes life is messy. Have you ever wished you could refocus your mind, home, relationships, and work life? Join us as we use research-based information to make practical changes and simplify life. This is Life Simplified. Welcome to Life Simplified. This month, we've been discussing ways to prepare for disasters and ways to recover from natural disasters. But one area sometimes we forget and we haven't discussed yet is the financial aspect of recovering and preparing for natural disasters. So that's what we're going to be looking at today is just ways that we can prepare financially, things to have on hand in case a natural disaster does occur. So I want to start out with just asking you all a question of what are some things that come to mind when you think about financial expenses during a natural disaster, either before or after preparing, or maybe if one's happened, maybe something, because we've talked about, um, in a, a podcast before earlier in this month about some experiences we have had with natural disasters. So I'm just interested to hear some of your all's uh, experiences or ex perspectives on financials and natural disasters. So one thing I think about, especially like if a tornado has destroyed your home, um, that's going to be a lot of expenses. Where, where are you going to stay? Like, do you need to stay in a hotel for a while? Is there going to be someone you can stay with? You're probably going to be eating out a lot more, um, because you don't have somewhere to prepare. You might need to replace items quickly before you get funds from an insurance policy or wherever else you've got coverage. And so I think there are things that would be immediate needs that could be a financial burden if you're not prepared and don't have some kind of plan around that. I think about the ice storm. Um, I know we've talked about it in a couple of our other episodes, but we didn't have a generator and one of our friends let us borrow a generator. Well, we didn't have any uh, gas to be able mm -hmm. to far as use it. And there we could not get no gas in town because none of us had electricity and we did not have no cash on hand to be able to use, you know, to buy stuff, you know? And so we learned then that we need to make sure that we keep extra cash on hand in case you cannot get to the bank or the bank can, cannot, you can't get to your money because the bank doesn't have electricity. So just making sure that you have, you know, some funds available, maybe in cash form, just in case of a natural disaster like that. Because me personally, I usually don't have no cash. I just use my debit card. So I try to be very conscious about that to have, you know, some put back just in case. That's immediately what my thought went to as well. I didn't have any cash. And we needed cash because some places were not able to take credit cards or debit cards. And I think that the society that we live in right now, we rely a lot on that technology. And it's nothing to just swipe that card everywhere we go. There are very few places now that don't take a card and that was the immediate thing that I thought about. I didn't have any cash. 
No, yeah, those are some great things. And we are going to cover a couple of those. So I'm glad that you all are kind of on the same page and getting your minds thinking about some discussion that we're going to be having a little bit later. Uh, So first, we're just really going to dive into building an emergency savings. And so last month we discussed budgeting and we had a podcast solely on budgeting. And this is something that we did talk about and provide some resources for. So if you have not listened to that, I encourage you to go back and and listen to that to help gain some even to help gain some insight on how ways to budget or just some tools to help you build your emergency savings plan. And so if you don't have an emergency savings plan, I don't want you to feel overwhelmed. Like, oh no, I'm not ready. There's no way I can save up um, because I... I personally have a small amount um, because I'm just not mindful. I haven't been intentional about putting money into an emergency savings plan. So even if you have a small amount is going to be beneficial to you if, uh, if you do incur a natural disaster. So as a rule of thumb, you should have between three to six months worth of living expenses saved up in a savings account. It is separated. So you have a general savings account. You may put some money in towards um, for things that you're wanting to purchase. But this is a separate account and it's solely for emergencies. So nothing comes out of it unless there is an emergency, of course. So three to six months of living expenses. So when you think about living expenses, some things to think about are housing. Uh, So what Tiffany mentioned earlier about if, are you displaced? Are you going to have to stay in a hotel for a week or so? And how are you going to pay for that? Food. And as we all kind of know, when natural disasters occur or um, as we experienced um, as during COVID prices can go up on those things. So thinking about food and how you're going to pay for that. But if you are at home, your month, just thinking about general monthly utility bills, or if you have other necessities like healthcare costs, medicines, things like that, that you're going to need to have during an emergency, do you have that money set aside to pay for those things? And so we are going to link in um, some resources for you all to use and in the publication with this specific podcast there as some tips on how to calculate how much money your family would need based on the budget that you have so what you're spending what your monthly spending is how many people are in your family so I encourage you to reach Uh, to research that and check out that publication that we're linking for more information on how to build your emergency savings. And the next thing is paying down debt. And so you're probably like, well, how is that going to help me? So if you think about it, if you have money tied up in um, whether it's credit card debt or mortgages or whatever that may be, that money's going to pay those pay your payments and then interest and things like that. So if you pay that down, you're going to have more money to put in a savings account. And so that's why that's another reason among others uh, that it is important to do that. Sometimes people don't want any type of credit or credit cards or anything like that. But I want to kind of stress that it is important to have access to a credit card or something like that if there is a natural disaster. Because 
uh, sometimes banks are tied up and you can't get money out. And so if you do have a credit card or something like that, you can use that instantaneously versus having to wait and try to grab cash and things like that. And then, of course, you all mentioned cash, which is so important. Um, so what are you what are some things or do you all have cash set back aside now? Is that something you all have? And if you do, how do you store it? Where do you put it at? Or what are some tips that you can share with our <laughs> listeners on that? Yes, we do. The husband is big on this. I can't tell you where it is, but it's in a safe place. Safe. And when I say a safe place, like a safe place from being stolen, but also thinking about is it going to be destroyed in the natural disaster? So being mindful of floods, fires, those type of things. Can you actually get to it? So I'm not telling you exactly where mine is, but we have considered those things. <laughs> right. Yes. And that's kind of where I was leading to. Are you, <laughs> do you have it in your freezer, which is probably, you know, I don't know if you all have heard hey, that Hey, some people like, might. <laughs> put your cash in your freezer, which is not a bad, I'm not saying that, but I'm th just thinking about, um, are you putting it somewhere if there is a flood, if there is a fire, is it still going to be safe? And is it easily accessible? Is it somewhere you have it so tight and hidden that if if you need to grab your bags and go, are you going to be able to access it quickly? We have some, you know, that's something that we have really tried to start working on even more to have, you know, at least three months, you know, far as money put back in case anything ever happened. But we are also building on our emergency fund like that. Um, like Tiffany, not going to tell you where, but I do not have the exact amount that I want currently, but I'm working on it so I can. Yes. And I would say the bulk of, of our money obviously is in a savings account where it is safe, but we do make sure we keep something in cash so that if there are all these problems we've already discussed and you cannot use, uh, you know, any kind of technology. I think my problem with keeping the cash on hand is to stay out of it and use it for that purpose that if there was an emergency and an emergency is not, I want to go grab something to eat and I didn't have any cash or an emergency is not, my child is asking me for some something, some money for to buy something at school. Well, I didn't have that. I didn't have that cash available. So I think that's mainly my thing is to, once it's set back for that purpose, leave it alone. No, I definitely think that's a good tip. And I want to kind of think about, talk about the storage part of it. Um, so we've been to some trainings and stuff through our work um, related to disasters and preparedness and kits and things like that. And something they had mentioned that you can purchase are like envelopes or totes or boxes that are fire safe, flood safe. So if that's even if you don't have like a huge safe that you can put all your stuff in, um, even having that fire waterproof envelope that you keep somewhere in your house is as valuable as any uh, anything else that you can have. And I will say like, don't think, oh, I don't live in a flood zone. It, it's not going to flood here. It didn't flood for us either, but even a safe is not waterproof most of the time. And so if you don't have it in an envelope, that's also waterproof inside of the safe. Like if you have a tornado and it rips your roof off and it continues to rain for three hours, it's going to get wet. 
So are there any other tips related to finances, having cash on hand, uh, anything like that, that you all think that maybe we need to discuss that you'd like to share? So I had a thought um, as it relates to finances. You know, there are some things you can do to be a little more prepared for disasters and to feel a little bit more comfortable um, for your family, but sometimes they cost a lot of money. And I know after the tornado, two things um, that were really important to my family to be prepared for the future were having a tornado shelter installed at our home um, and also having a generator installed so that we would know that those things would be covered. But those are big expenses. And so if that's something that you think would help, you know, decrease some of your anxiety around these events, maybe it's something that you put into your budget plan um, or your savings plan. Like this is something we want to do. We can't do it today. We don't want to put ourselves in a financial bond, but it's important to us. So we're going to start setting aside so much money for that um, over the next several months or next few years so that we know we're working towards that because peace of mind is really invaluable, but you don't want to put yourself in a bad situation. So there are some larger purchases you can make, but you might want to start budgeting that in to your family plan. Yeah, exactly. And um, one thing that I was kind of had in my mind were generators. Mm-hmm. A lot of times and as natural disaster happens and they don't have one and they're like oh man I need to go get one and so sometimes when you act after a disaster or after something happens those things can cost more Mm -hmm. than if you did purchase them earlier and so I like your tip of start saving up for those large ticket items and buy it when you can afford it and not when you need it type things. And I will say like for some things too it may take a while to get it if you're not deciding to purchase it until after a natural disaster has already occurred and kind of the market has been thinned out. And so like for us, for a generator, we waited nine months. We were on a waiting list for nearly a year to the point where by the time it came in, we questioned, do we still need this? And, you know, we pushed on forward and said, no, we've been waiting on this. We're going to do this. And we've been very grateful that we've had it. We've had to use it a few times since, but just know that you you may be waiting for a while too. So that also, you know, that was nine months we were able to save up money and put put aside some things. So be mindful of that, that as well, that it could be harder to get right after that. And you may be waiting for a significant amount of time. On a smaller scale, keeping your gas tank filled. Mm-hmm. And that's something that uh, I have a, I have a coworker who repeatedly tells me this and, and a husband that mm-hmm. repeatedly tells me this. So I'm speaking to myself here and it's just, it's something that I, I don't know if anybody just really enjoys filling up their vehicle with gas, but it's something that I really, really, really do not. So I put it off until the last minute and that's, that's not a good choice. And that's something that I know is not a good choice. And really I'm trying to be more intentional, more mindful of that and keeping that gas gas tank full. Yeah. And not just your vehicle, but like your propane tanks for your, your house or your generator or whatever you're running off of. You know, we have the generator now that is built into our house. It's been wired in, but we also have two gas fireplaces and a gas stove. And those are things that come in handy in a disaster. But if I don't have my propane tanks full, they're not going to anything for me. So you got to think about that as well. So yes, your vehicle. So if you need to get somewhere, you can get out, you you can get to the people that you need to help, but also like the other, other types um, of fuel that will help in a disaster as well. 
Right. And one thing that I try to do, and I'm not the best at, um, as tip would be to power up your electronic devices if you know that there's something coming. Yes. Uh, because if there's a power outage and your phone's out of battery, or if you have other electronic devices that you need to use, you want to make sure that they're on full power. And then also there, some uh, devices have power saving modes. So you could always turn that on uh, to make sure that you have sufficient charge on those things. Yeah. And maybe trying to always have one or two of the battery backup packs that you can like charge up and you can use them um, without having to plug into an electric source. Yeah. Just uh, also another thing to plug in, you know, flashlights, you know, mm -hmm. making sure you got flashlights, candles on hand, power goes out, you have at least some way or another to see. Just thought about that when you said powering up stuff. And batteries for those flashlights. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I want to shift gears a little bit and start thinking about important documents that we may have. And uh, we saw this a lot with the tornado and things like that. People, their IDs were lost. Their, you know, just everything is gone. And so when you go to apply for assistance or you need to you know, show proof that you are who you are at the bank or wherever it may be. If you don't have those documents, then, you know, it's a struggle. And so there are ways that you can, you know, retrieve those documents, but it does take time to do that. And so I kind of wanted to talk about important documents and that you need to make copies of them and then store them in a safe spot. So this could be where that envelope comes into hand. You know, mm -hmm. you have that that water fire safe envelope that you can put it all together um, and utilize those. So what are some things that you all think document wise that you or us or that you already do or whatever that may be, what we may need to prepare for as me, this is where I'm at. I'm like, Hey, I need to do these things. Uh, what are some documents you think that we, that you would need to have? Birth certificates and passports would be two of mine. Yes. Um, I would agree with that. Social security cards or at least having the numbers written. Um, and then also any insurance policies, because you're going to want to be able to contact those people as quickly as possible to kind of start figuring out a plan. Tiffany, that's a really good idea. I don't even know. That didn't even cross my mind when we was talking about that. So that's a really good idea. So you can also have your tax, like a copy of a tax statement that could be a proof of of, of income or proof of who you are, who you say you are. Uh, again, your a copy of your driver's license or photo ID, uh, certificates of marriage or birth certificates. You could have copies of those in there. Uh, your healthcare records. So I like um, in a previous podcast, we talked about the importance of writing down those phone numbers and things like that because we may not have our phones. Um, so this could be something that you write down and keep in your your safe spot for to have with you and then also uh just a list of financial contacts so in an emergency if the if you need to call your banks or you need to call whomever that is that goes along with kind of the healthcare records and healthcare numbers um just having a list of those written out and also i want to um, encourage you all to think about different ways to store these things. So we have talked a lot about having these copies, having them on hand, but you can also store them in the cloud. 
Um, a lot of people have different ways. There's a lot of different resources and a lot of them you don't have to pay for. So I'm encouraging you, if you do have some copies of things like that, uh, being able to access them. Of course, you don't want to copy your social security card and upload it to the cloud. But right. if you have some way to to put that in there that you know what that is, no one else may know what that is. Um, I want you to to keep caution along the way that too. But um, you could always write down phone numbers and things like that. Those are easily uh, things that other people could find online that you could just upload um, onto the cloud in case you all need to do that. Or um, thinking about, is there other locations that you can keep these documents? So if you have a copy at your house or you have them on the cloud can you also uh let someone else in your family uh, have a copy of those so i live four hours away from my family so i could collect these documents and give that to them and so if we do have an earthquake or we do have a flood and i need that information i can get a hold of them and they can provide that to me so it is in a separate location but if you don't have family members like that, or are there a safety deposit box or just thinking about creative ways that you can access this information other than if it's just at your house. So next, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about updating your insurance coverage. This is not something that I'm sure you all are enthusiastic about. <laughs> I know I'm really not that um but sometimes we let that fall by the wayside. And I think sometimes people realize after a natural disaster, they'll say, um, I've heard some stories of where people's insurance uh, coverage wasn't updated. And then so when they went to replace items or replace their homes in general, uh, it didn't cover uh, all that they lost. So they were out of pocket that extra money. Uh, due to not updating your insurance coverage. So I think this is something um, that we've alluded to before to go ahead and just do that every six months or every once a year to go just sit down as a family and go over what your coverage is. You can sit down with your insurance provider and do that as well because some uh, insurance providers do provide um like earthquake insurance or flood insurance, but those policies are separate than what um, just a regular homeowner's insurance is. So just thinking about those things, if that is something that you want, um, and then again, up, just updating it on an annual basis. Yeah. And one thing I want to point out with that, because it was a big deal during the tornadoes is taking a look at the economy, um, what changes are happening um, nationwide that may be something that you need to consider with your insurance. I know several people lost their homes or had significant damage to their homes in 2021. That was right kind of in the midst of the pandemic. And we all know that the housing market really like prices went through the roof. Um, houses were selling rapidly because there wasn't enough inventory and they were going for really high prices. So what families around here found is that if their house was insured at a certain amount and then they went to try and replace it, they couldn't rebuild at that price because materials were expensive. It was hard to get things. Everybody's trying to rebuild at the same time. And so you really want to think like if there's ever any really big spikes or dips in the economy, maybe this is a time I need to look at my policies and my coverage and see, can I even replace these items that I'm covering if there was a total loss? Exactly. And some, uh, so 
uh, again, I mentioned we're going to put some links and things like that into uh, the our podcast, but I just want to kind of share a few things to think about is you want to make sure that you have at least 80% of your home covered. And that seems like a lot, especially like you alluded to when the prices change, but you want to be mindful of mm-hmm. that. You want to also make sure that you have insured your detached structures because sometimes you think, oh, only my home. But if you have like a separate garage or something else that's on your property, is it covered? Is it under your policy? Do you need a different policy? Is it a full coverage? Uh, Something else is jewelry or electronics. Do you have those things insured? I just encourage you all to sit down with your families and to think about these things and start going over them annually because uh, it's these are important things to do. With your updating your insurance coverage, we have recently taken a look at our insurance policies and I will admit my ignorance. I had one, but I didn't I didn't know much about it. I didn't know what some of the terms meant. I could look at my declaration sheet and I could say, well, I've got this. But did I really know what that meant? Not all the time. So even understanding what kind of policy you have is important. And I feel a lot more confident in what my policy says now than I did previously. And that just took me doing the research and asking the questions. Yeah. And your insurance agent is happy to answer those questions. It's their job. It's what they're there for. They are there to help you understand what is covered, what isn't, um, and fill in any of the gaps because it's a lot and it's hard to just pick it up and read it if that's not something you've been trained on. Exactly. And so falling in with uh, making sure that your insurance is up to date and that you do have complete coverage on your items. Something to think about when you're going through and you're researching it is to thinking about inventorying your home. So have you all done this before? I I can't say that I have, um, but just inventorying things that are in your house. So I've taken photographs. Like I'll take a picture of a room just to have a general idea, but it changes so frequently that I don't, I mean, unless you're going to do that, like every few months, you're probably going to miss something. And then there's those items that only come out like a certain time of year. There's You update your technology and that can be hard to spot, but I can see the value in it, but it is hard to sit down and just really do that. When you file a claim on, even if someone breaks into your home or just something's damaged, if you don't know what you have, then you're not going to get get it replaced. And so you can do this by just walking through your home and just taking notes of big, big items that you want to make sure is on there. Uh, There, you can also do... Uh, apps. So there's apps that you can use. Like Tiffany said, you can just go through, walk through your house and take pictures. And even if it is kind of outdated, you know, it's not like you mentioned, things change a lot, uh, but at least you have a general idea of what's in your house or what's in that shed out back. You know, what because like we talked about generators and things like that, 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 that could be somewhere else, not on in your home. So you, if that is damaged and you want to make sure that that's replaced, uh, just making sure that you have an ongoing inventory of items that you have. So whenever the ice storm hit, you know, I've mentioned that I went and purchased freezer foods to put in my freezer. 
because I figured we'd be snowed in for a while and then that way the kids and I had food and everything. Well, little did I know at that time, we didn't have power. We wasn't going to have power, but my insurance company asked me to list all of the food, the price that it was worth and what I paid for it on a list and they reimbursed me. They only reimbursed me to a certain amount, but they also wanted to know as far as how much it was and what, what I had in my freezer that, that I lost. So I know that's not really talking about, you know, the important things, but that's just something that popped in my head that they wanted a list of the foods that I had bought. So no, that's a great idea. And I, that goes into when you're creating that inventory, you want to try to have the date that you purchased it, the model number, serial numbers, you know, anything as much as information that you can store and keep that way you can get it replaced. I also want to talk about things that may not be able to be replaced. Photographs those memories, those things that you try to store uh, that you have at your house that would be devastating if you lost. And that um, really happened during the tornado. And of course, if there's floods or anything like that, you can lose all those special, special things. And so thinking, is there a way that I can store those things that if something does happen, I'll still have? I think too, like, I know we social media a lot and there are some things that can be negative but for me if I'm posting photographs in the back of my mind it's not for someone else it's not to brag and it's not just to show like what I'm doing in my life because I think everyone else is so busy they don't need to know what, what's going on with me but there's some kind of comfort in knowing if I lost everything I at least have those I know that I can get to those images and I'll still have something um, to remember those special events that happened with my kids or my family or my spouse. And then uh, the last thing about thinking about things that are in your home, when you walk through your home, I w also think about are they stored in pr the correct locations that you think they may be. So do you have things stored in your basement that maybe if you had a flood or a water break, are going to get damaged. Is that the ideal place you want your paper documents? Probably not. Um, are there things that are store papers or important documents that store by something that could be flammable if there was an emergency? So thinking about are your items stored where they need to be or in the safest spot during emergencies? So thank you all so much for joining us for for this episode of Life Simplified and diving a little bit deeper into financial preparation for natural disasters. Again, we're going to list all this information in our show notes, so you'll have links to those. And as always, um, if you all have any feedback, please feel free to comment on our social media page or send us an email at lifesimplifiedpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, so you can check us out there if you uh, want to listen on YouTube, if that's an option that you want to do. So again, thank you all so much for joining us for this episode of Life Simplified. Thanks for listening to Life Simplified. We are Family and Consumer Sciences agents with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. Contact us at lifesimplifiedpodcast at gmail.com.